Trading Nut, episode 201. Um, I'll, I'll monitor yields, which I'll come on to because I don't, I really, really believe hand on heart that a lot of traders don't implement bond yields into their FX trading. And it is imperative, especially in this market cycle. It is a massive little life hack, um, in my opinion, especially in the high interest rate market because um, the Fed, especially uh, they monitor their, their, their bond yields and it can tell you a lot about where the potential of the economy is sitting and where potentially central banks will pivot and you can build trade you can build trades off of that the market's going to do something your job is not to fight it the market never ever runs away it's always there that personal diary of trading will make you a much better trader than i could be right about the direction but wrong about the trade don't focus on the monetary side trying to make too much money on a trade is what i have seen killed every trader your losses offer you some of the greatest insight you can find into your mistakes relax learn the process candlestick pattern training is a freaking trap don't be in a rush to become a millionaire let the market tell you what the market wants to tell you this podcast is not financial trading or investing advice of any kind What's up, traders? Welcome to another installment of the Trading Up Podcast. I'm your host, Cam Hawkins, and today we've got Charlie from Westwater Associates on the show. Now, Charlie is just 20 years old and managing funds from his office in Canary Wharf, which is one of the trading hubs in London. Uh, he is actually one of the, uh, well, he got trained up by a past guest and, in fact, is a business partner of a past guest on the show. You're going to find out who that is when you start listening to the interview. Uh, and a couple of his colleagues he mentions in the show as well. We're also going to look to get one of those guys on. So we're putting a whole piece of the puzzle together here for you all. Uh, now, um, he is a smart money concept style trader. In fact, he's come up with his own version of it. You're going to find out how that works and more about that in this show. But he also breaks down everything on a price chart. And this is probably one of the, I suppose, craziest videos I've seen in terms of the knowledge that he brings to the table as a just a 20-year-old is ridiculous. Uh, and we go through his entire trading week at the fund, what it looks like, uh, and it's all broken down. We've got fundamentals in there. We've got uh, correlations in there. We've got smart money, concept trading in there. It's everything. So you've got to go and check that out after the show. Uh, before we get into the show there, just a few things. So you'll see here I've got a new cap on. I've got a new cap. If you're listening to the podcast, you won't be able to see it. You'll need to go to the YouTube channel and check it out. Um, I thought I'd upgrade it to something on brand. I mean, the blue and the white isn't really on brand. You can see here, uh, I even got the trading nut logo on the on the back uh, so if you like this guys if you if you think you'd like one of these then let me know and we'll see what we can do uh, even thought i'd get a camo one as well uh, right so that's just it on the caps now we've got the robot lab live is uh, up in the demo so this is what we're doing is we're building a trading robot out um, across the course of a few weeks with a group of people on a live stream all my robot lab members and we're Got one up there now. We're looking to get it to pass a funding challenge. We're doing a demo test to start off with. First few days didn't go so well. In fact, we managed to blow half the account in two days. How do we do that? For some weird reason, the bot took a 50-lot trade when it should have been taking like a 0.1-lot trade. Uh, worked out what the bug was, fixed it. We've redone the test, and we're starting it again from today. So if you want to check that out, head over to the Robot Builders Club page, and you better follow it there. And just on the Robot Builders Club, next week we are going to do a Black Friday sale. So if you do want to get on board with getting access to this bot in particular, and then the other bonuses I'm going to throw in there for the Black Friday sale of Robot Builders Club, 
then please stay tuned. And it's only going to happen for a short period of time. So you're going to need to stay tuned, stay subscribed on everything, and just keep an eye out for trading that. Now, um, talking about Black Friday sales, uh, one of my past guests, Andrew Mitchum, he, who happens to be a guest that the the guest on the show that lives closest to where I live, uh, it's only a stone's throw away. We've actually never met because it is a stone's throw across some water, which I don't go there that often. Now um, he is also doing a sale, and it's a ridiculous sixty eight percent, let's almost say seventy percent off his, uh, his sort of entire you know kitten caboodle. If you do want to get access to that though, it is very a very short time frame. It's called a dime sale. And for 15 minutes, only 15 minutes, the first 15 minutes of the sale, it's going to be at that ridiculously 68% discounted price. What I'm going to do is put a link in a card here to his show notes page. So uh, if you want to get access to where that is, then click on the link in the card. I'll put one in the description as well. This is if you're on YouTube. Um, There should be one in the podcast description as well to take you there. And hopefully you don't watch this too late, because if you do, I think it's only going to last for 12 hours, and the price is going up every 15 minutes. So you've got to be quick. But I thought I'd tell you uh, about this, because it is quite a good deal, um, and it's come out for Black Friday, so it's in context. Right, so two things before we jump in there. Uh, scalping challenge, if you do want to take part in that, so this is a London Open Scalping Challenge, then hit me up at support at tradingnut.com. Let me know you're keen, and we'll be doing that again in the future. Challenges against everyone else who's going to take part in it. And maybe even against me during the London session, we'll see. Um, and let's and then, last but not least, let's hear from my new sponsor, Fidelcrest, who's a prop firm. And I just want to remind you, they've offered up a ten percent discount coupon for any trading nut listeners. So if you do want to get access to the Fidelcrest thing, you're going to hear more about them in a second. But you will get a ten percent off if you use coupon code Trading Nut, all one word in caps. Okay, all right. Oh, and by the way, I didn't realize their their sort of micro account funding program has got a target of just five percent. So well worth checking out. Let's hear from them and get on with the interview. Fidel Crest is an award winning prop firm that funds traders with up to two million dollars and offers generous profit splits up to ninety percent. So what sets Fidel Crest apart? Well, it's their verification stage payouts of up to thirty k in as little as fifteen days. So you can receive your first payout prior to becoming a fully funded trader. Just complete the challenge phase and verification stage without violating any rules to receive your first payout. And be sure to use promo code Trading That all one word to get ten percent off your next challenge. Click the link in the description below or the card above to find out more. All right, folks, here we are on Trading Up. We've got Charlie in the house here from Westwater Associates, and he was introduced to me by his colleague, who uh, is Alex George, who's been on the show. If you go back to episode 167, uh, he works with Alex, and uh, there's another guy as well that we'll get on in the future. But welcome to the show, Charlie. Appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me on. Well, to start off with, um, I'm going to find out all about, well, I want to find out all about what uh, got you into trading, how you got started and your journey to date. So let's dive into that to start off with. Yeah, no. So like, I mean, it's been pretty recent. I mean, I started trading about three, three and a half years ago. Um, I was introduced to it to obviously my my, well, my colleagues now, um, Matt and Alex, who um, orig- originally introduced me to trading. I, I learned off of them too, uh, Pacific Style, obviously we'll, well, I'm pretty sure we'll touch base on anyway. Um, and, and yeah, no, we, the, the way we got obviously into the office and we grew obviously the, the, the businesses <clears throat> and the way we sort of turned trading institutionally and really just honed in our skills. Um, was we just went for a business, um, just for a, like a, just a 
a business opportunity. We took it with both hands and obviously one thing led to another and, and, and yeah. Okay, well, let's, start, let's dive into some detail on that. So so to start off with like, so you you, you knew Alex beforehand or you, you met Alex along the way? So I, I knew Matt beforehand personally, um, obviously my other business partner. Um, and then Matt was already in business with Alex. They run like a, a trading education firm. And uh, that's basically how I was introduced to trading to begin with. Um, I'd always been yeah, obviously aware of financial markets because my um, – my mum was obviously a trader, um, so she was obviously, she worked um, out in a firm out in Hong Kong. Um, I couldn't give you too much details about it. She's uh, obviously, that, 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 that's, that's all out of the picture now. But I was always aware of the financial markets. I was always had that little, that little like, interest in it. Um, so I thought, well, why not give it a go? I mean, like, I, was, I, was, I was 17 at the time, so I was just a sponge for information. I thought, there's no real risk of me taking this on. It's information I might learn a thing or two, and and yeah, no, this it's obviously put a lot of thing, opportunities on my lap. So, yeah. it's interesting that your mum was a trader. I mean, what does that do as a as a kid growing up? If you, you especially your mum, you know, it's usually know. dad, but especially it's... your mum being a trader, what 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 was that like? I mean, was she sat at the screens, you know, twenty four seven when she was at home, or was it, it was very before much... I was born? So oh, I would, right. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you a lot about the experience of me being <laughs> yeah, in yeah. and around it because it was before I was born, right? Um. But yeah, I, I wouldn't know honestly. But I mean, it must run in the family. But again, you'd, you'd never put a, like obviously, um, you, you, it's more likely a, a man. Obviously, like it's more likely a, your dad. But no, yeah, it was um, my mum was a trader. I've only found that out recently as well. Oh right, but yeah, okay. no. All right, so um, so you, you started training with Alex, and he was training you up, or were were you getting external trainings? Yeah. So essentially, what it is is that uh, they introduced me to back when SMC was really really hot. Because obviously now it's like considered the new retail or anything like that. Um, all all of them, um, it's kind of come come the new retail. Um, but back when it was hot, around about two and a half years ago, I was introduced to obviously SMC trading on lower time frames, this that and the other, and uh, and yeah, they really trained me up to to view the market from that perspective. Um, and then it went from there, and it had just become a sponge for more and more and more and more and more information. Um, and really just wanted to get as consistent as I possibly could in approach um, and have like the the correct ideology, like how try and find my personality in trading because as, as cyclical as markets are, I believe that trading is quite linear. And as you mature as a person, I was still really, really young at the time. And my trading back then was really immature. If I look to back to 18 months ago, my training was really, really immature. My, my approach was quite immature. And as I've got a little bit older and a little bit more experience in around like um, the institutional industry, dealing with uh, a lot older people than me and having to really speak my way into rooms, um, it's quite matured me as a person and it's had a knock-on effect on my trading as well. So that's that's what obviously Alex and Matt introduced me to and it really just took off from there because it was just because of who I am. So so what I'm interested in is, I mean, a lot of people, you know, in your situation where you're just starting mm. out, uh, mm. would typically be doing it on their own and they wouldn't have yep. somebody like working with them closely who mm. is already doing the, you know, walking the walk. And mm. you know it's almost like you, you, you're mates with a mentor sort of thing. Yeah. So so therefore you're going to have a, an added advantage. Did cool. you were you like were you able to were you sitting down with these guys like no. to do the training or was it how did that sort of so it was literally just through it was through zooms it was through pre-recorded videos so it was technically by myself right, okay. um, and it, it took around about a year and we got into business together so like basically 
me, me, Matt, and Alex, we, we we came to. I went to them with a business proposal, and that's how I kind of got to a personal level with Matt and Alex. I knew Matt personally anyway um, from from a completely different subject through like a hobby. Um, but when it when I started out my trading, it was literally just through Zooms, it was through pre-recorded videos, just really just picking their brains, and obviously going back and forth. And then the business proposal that's completely unrelated to trading. Um, <laughs> obviously, got me in a room with them, and, and, and I sort of really started to gauge and understanding a little bit more. And, and you yeah, know, that's that's really okay. how I so, started so how did, out. So how did they? So how did the training go? So like when you first dove, dove into mm. the markets, I mean, what was it like for you? Uh, inconsistent and immature, in my opinion. Um, my approach, so obviously later on down the line, fast forward, going back about eight months now, I was introduced to another person called Andy, Andy Bridges, a beautiful, wonderful, wonderful fella, and there's been a massive help and a massive stepping stone in in, in, in my trading. Um, I was introduced to him, and we really sat down and was like, what's, what's the issue? Because obviously, you know yourself when you interviewed Alex, the fund had just come about, and obviously the, we started, we created our un, un, unconventional hedge fund, and there was this, 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 there was discrepancies in approach. And I was just like, well, I'm starting to see an inconsistency because I'd been consistent on a live account. I'd been consistent with funded accounts. However, now I'm, I'm messing around with client funds, and it was a completely different ballgame. I thought, yeah, I've done live accounts. It's, it's sort of similar, everything else. It can't be much different. But this is what I was saying about how, like, uh, like my trading was, it was is, I believe it's very linear. And as I matured as a person, I matured as, obviously, a young man, so did my trading. And I, we really sat down, and we really thought, okay, cool. Why is this not working? Why is it not consistent? And it was really because my approach at the like my approach towards the markets was really quite subjective so because my my approach wasn't consistent my results wasn't consistent and when i when i break down some charts in of you'll see that my trades especially from last week last week was probably my best week in the market so it's really quite well timed um but you'll see that every single position is the same and that's why i could because my consistency and approach means there's consistency in results. And and that's really where I've gone from an SMC, which I believe is quite subjective. And I had to really, it didn't protect my psychology behind it because it's a completely different ballgame. When you're messing around with clients and you've got you've got to pay out clients because it's, quite, it's very institutionalized. Once it was institutionalized, it was something had to change, something had to shift, something had to move, and and yeah, no, that's so. So that at the point really... that the guy, so at the point that the guy, I mean, because just this is how it's coming across, and I just want to make yeah. be clear on this. So the point that the guys were getting you on the fund, you know, mm. you they, they were confident in your own ability to be able to like mm. grow the accounts, yep. um, at a rate that that was a, mm. but you weren't happy with what you were doing. I weren't happy with the results. You no, weren't happy with the happy. results. And, and can you give us sort of like a, a before and after kind of picture based on the results? I mean, what they, what you were, what they were happy with from a fun point of view, and what you weren't were receiving after you sort of made some changes yeah. and got more consistent. Of course. So for me, so obviously I am the business as well, and I'm also a trader, so I have to draw that line, and I have to be very cautious of not crossing it. So obviously, from a business perspective, the business was making money, but from my perspective as a like as as a, as a director of the company it's not making enough and because i i know that internally because i know i'm not maximizing what i'm actually doing in the markets i'm not maximizing my return i know i could better it i know i could better my approach uh, approach because i had to protect my psychology at the end of the day um so from a fun perspective um i can show you quite m- m- like uh, we was quite immature when we first set it up so originally we were offering so we tie in our clients for it on a yearly basis and we would offer seven percent a month 
Uh, for the first two months, uh, we returned 5%. So we didn't reach my target. So the company didn't earn any money because how we how the company earns money basically is we have to reach your target before we earn anything. So yeah. if you're a, a yearly client, we would have to achieve that 7%. Anything over that, we that's what, that's our margin. So we weren't making any money. So like, yes, we was consistent. We made 5%, 5%, but the company wasn't making any money. So something had to change. Something, something had to change. Something had, it had to be maximized. And then obviously fast forward. Uh, so two months, so nine months on, uh, it, it's been a breeze. We've been able to return clients what we quoted them. Um, and it shows quite, uh, it shows the maturity of the company and ourselves as well. Then percentages come down to around about 3% now. So it, it showed the margins have increased. The trading's increased, the returns have increased, and now it's uh, it's a lot more professional because if you're an institutional investor or just a generally high net worth investor, if you if I have a conversation with you, you sit down and say 7%, you're going to run. You're going to run. You're not going to believe me. You're not going to believe yeah. a word I say. So it is, it, that's realistically, from a business perspective, it, it wasn't optimal, and that's the best word for it. It wasn't perfect, and it wasn't optimal. And from a trading perspective, I knew I could do better. Yeah, and so and so you were the you were the primary one doing the majority of the trading, or were, were other people helping you get this uh, seven so, plus percent a month? So, so the basically the way we set it up and the basically the structure of it now is that we have strategists, which is like Matt and Alex. We have different strategists. We have we have um, they're like our, our analysts, our strategists, and then obviously I'm head trader, and then obviously we have another trader on that basically gives the the final yes and no because the the best way of putting it was. The reason why like trade desks are so um, are so consistent, so profitable is because they have all these different ideas coming from everywhere. Because my trading style might be different to your trading style. So when I'm doing really, really bad, you could be doing really, really well in the markets. So having all of the pressure to perform and perform like to perform and bring in the capital and bring in the returns on one person isn't sustainable because I know with my because I, I run two strategies in the market. I know when it's really, really good, and I know when it's really, really bad. So I'll have bad months. I know when to turn one strategy off. I know when to turn one strategy on. So within the months, it could be a case of, okay, cool. Um, Matt's giving me a couple of ideas, and like I have different. Uh, Alex is giving me an idea, and, I, and there's all these different strategies coming along, and all these different market perspectives that might actually work in the months that I'm not performing. So that's why we have different inputs different outputs and then there's a final yes or no to to the probabilities and basically we i get on a piece of paper this is what we like this is this is why it lines up have a look at these levels i like it from here here and here pull the trigger and that's basically how we run things yeah okay so sort of like a group consensus in a way but yeah. you're the head trader to, to mm, okay yes. cool yeah. and so so does that mean that you're you managed to get uh your smart money concepts style of trading mm. at a level higher than alex and and matt before uh to, to get the head head trader sort of thing or, or are they at that point where the strategy piece of the puzzle is more mm important than the the actual execution on a smart money concept smc kind of entry in, in my opinion between obviously the three of us we were better in elsewhere of the company so for me i'm very um i'm not a um i'm very in like, uh, what's the word not internal um i'm an introvert uh, yeah. i'm an introvert right okay. where alex is an extrovert so 
when it comes to like obviously going to to events or just generally networking with potential investors or talking to people i'm really really bad at that because i'm quite i'm quite an introvert and if 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 i'm not talking about if i'm not talking about something that i enjoy or a hobby or something i'm good at or we're not having a conversation or giving advice i'm quite bad at obviously networking so there's no point obviously Alex taking the front of the trade and then me going doing something that I'm not very good at. So we all kind of sat down and was honest with ourselves and said, look, this is one aspect of the business. This is another aspect. This is another aspect. Who's best suited for this? Who's best suited for this? And who's best suited for this? And that's why it's really just blown up over the last six months and everything's been running at absolute optimal temperature because we're all doing everything that is best suited for us. Yeah, That's the it's, best way of putting yeah, it. Yeah, it's really interesting because, I mean, look, for me, it's mm. sort of like, you know, you think, like, oh, well, people, you know, starting up a fund and that yeah. the, the most difficult thing is going to be making sure that the fund makes money and, yeah. you know, being good in the markets uh, yeah. or better than, or in your case, you know, better than 5% a month in the markets, better than mm. 7% a month. Um, mm. So that so that for you guys is not even the, the hardest part. That's almost like, mm. that's just sort of bread and butter. And, and, and mm. what, why is it that this style of trading that you've come up with and um, why is it that you're so, so easily able to get that 7% and, mm. or is it easy, and, and be able to do it on a consistent basis, which a lot of because, people struggle uh, with. Because a lot of people struggle with. And in, in my opinion, um, it's because they don't have a consistency in approach and they don't have the data. So my two strategies are backdated at least three years. So I have the data through and through, month on month, day on day, why it works and what time it works. And it, it has tailored risk management models. So I know where, where my edge is in the market. A lot of people are quite subjective in their approach. They don't know where their edge is and it kind of makes them hold back on firing on the trigger or they they take a punt at things and there's no real consistency in how you view the market. And in my opinion, the worst that I've seen a lot of retail traders and people that struggle with generally finding consistency is they pay too much attention to what other people are doing. For me, if you're if you're joining a Discord group, if you're joining, if you're, if you're following someone for advice, if you're following someone for analysis, why? Because they're not going to be around there forever, and and, and their their outlook on the market could be completely different to yours. The the best thing you can do is mute it, find your way, find your personality in the market, just like finding your feet as a man. Obviously, everyone everyone goes through it. All all young lads go through it when you're obviously maturing. You find your feet, who you stand for, your ethics, everything like that. Trading is a lot like that. And you, you'll always find it on every single podcast, whenever you go on a trader, they'll always say that trading is a lot similar to life. And it is. It's so, so true. And, and that's why I think that a lot of people don't find consistency and find it really hard is because they pay too much attention to other people. And that's the world we live in, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah. And look, you know, cause that's what, sort of what I was trying to get at at the start whereby, mm. you know, you seem to get, you're like, okay, I'm going to learn this, uh, this stuff that the guys are feeding 100%. me, smart money concepts, mm. whatever it is. I'm not going to veer off and, mm. you know, get distracted by something I'm seeing from somebody else. And which is where a lot of people get, get uh, sidetracked. Now you did talk about at the start that you found, SMC quite subjective. What mm-hmm. what what parts of it were subjective for you? So for me, all the um, all the lower time frame stuff. So 
we've moved in. So when we came into a high interest rate market, which is the start of the year, all of my data that I had on SMC and my approach on trading was in low interest rate markets. I'd never experienced a high interest rate market. I'd never done any bad testing or any, da- or da- any data collection in a high interest rate market. So I had no idea how my strategy would perform. And I was getting absolutely battered. I was getting battered. My head was losing. I, I was I was experiencing five, six, seven ro- losses in a row, which everyone experiences, but it's not good enough for me. We're institutional. I, I have, we, have, we have to pay clients every single Friday. Every single Friday, clients have to get paid. And especially as a new fund, we don't have that liquidity already lots of like, like, like the reason why we're so comfortable now is because we have eight months or 10 months, sorry, 10 months worth of months of profit that we can kind of sit back and relax and go okay cool we've got a little bit of margin to work we've got a little bit of a cushion Mm. now we didn't have that at the start so a lot of tension a lot of pressure on on to perform and there was no data so it was was very hard for me to go "Ah, okay yeah yeah i've done i've seen this before because i hadn't the markets were moving completely different high interest rate market and that's where I was I was introduced to macroeconomics and now um, I'm like literally halfway through doing my CFA. I know all the contents. I know everything regarding economics and you'll see my outlooks. And the reason why my consistency in approach and massively for me is all I'm doing now is pairing strong currencies against weak currencies and then using my two tailored strategies to lean into two different technical areas. I wasn't doing that. I was literally just SMC. Okay, cool. There's an efficiency here. I've seen a five minute break, a one minute break. Okay, cool. And then, I was using like a five uh, a five pip stop loss, which wasn't really tailored to me, which wasn't really um, consistent. Was that, fi- was that fixed across all markets? Was it five pips? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was literally um, not necessarily. It was really quite okay. subjective below, yeah. below like strong and low highs that I believe were strong and yeah. low highs. But there's no such thing in a five minute time frame, in my opinion. Um, so uh, that was where it was quite subjective in approach because it wasn't the same trade over and over and over again. You'll see what I mean when I come to obviously the charts that every single position that I took is one or two strategies and they're exactly the same. Right. Okay. And so, so if you had to sort of, I suppose, give an estimate as to how many strategies you were using before mm-hmm. that shift, how many were there? Well, I mean, it was just, I mean, if you consider, <laughs> in my opinion, in my opinion, SMC is a concept. I didn't have a strategy. A strategy, in my in in my opinion, is that you have backtested data, you have a, a catalogue of what when it's good, why it's good, uh, what session it's good, um, what days it's good, what months it's good, and there's 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 a simple process. Everyone has their their trading rules or their trading models, and it's it's quite subjective. It's it's like top down analysis. You've got to see a one minute break on a four hour point, and like, but every if you look at it from a picture perspective. Everyone close like you can. Cl- the, the reason why it's con- when I say it's consistent or uh, subjective, if you can't close your eyes and picture your strategy through and through, what happens step by step, it's not a strategy in my opinion. It's it's a concept and it's mm. just guessing in yeah. my opinion. That's yeah. where that's where the subjectiveness and the uh, consistency, in my opinion, comes. And and how were you able to? So you talked about this guy uh, Andy mm. Bridge. Bridge? Yeah, yeah. How we how were you I able to um, identify that this was the this was the issue, like the the subjectiveness, and then mm-hmm. to try and <clears throat> rectify that so that you had more of a. Oh, it was through a journal because obviously I had a I had a whole log in MT4 because I can't run from it. It's it's all live. It's all a book. You can't run from it. So it's all there, and we went through step by step by step. Okay, cool. This is this is the picture on the charts. Okay, cool. This is what happens. This is what happens. This is what happens. And we're like, well, these trades are, are not the same. This 
it's not the same trades. Okay, cool. And and, and you, sort, you sort of start to notice that they're all completely different. So how can you start to better something that there's no base or no underline? You, you haven't built anything from like an ideology or something you want to test or whatever else. It's literally just guesswork. And, and that's why you kind of have to throw it out the window. And if it's not consistent, you can't build it up from that. If there's no base that you want to do and start on a single time, that's why a lot of people just start on a, on a, and just trade on one time frame, like the M15. And you can kind of start from there because then you can literally, all you've got to do is just start from the M15 and notice patterns that you like and you can build from there. But if you're, if you're on like the six hour, the three hour, and that's what I was doing. I had every, I had every single time frame possible. And every single trade was different. So when you're going through the log, loss, 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 all the losses were different. Where now all my losses are the same. Right. Okay. Same. Yeah. Okay. And my winners were different. But now all my winners are the same. And and was was Andy was he a a trader himself or was he more of a sort of mindset? Yeah. So he's, he's been in the market for over ten years now. Um, also have my so he's more of a uh, he was more of a retail trader. Um, he's, done it all his life um and he's like pretty much retired now yeah. you, you wouldn't be able to find him on social media he's um he's like and how, pretty, did you, like, how did you how did you stumble across him he's, he's on instagram he's on instagram trader bridges and that's how i got in contact with him ah, right. um and we kind of this is what this is why um networking is so so good because when you first and foremost not because i hate this word but become a person of value or just like a general business owner if someone looks at you and sees value it's very easy to get conversation and work towards something because you sort of can find common ground straight away and sort of go okay cool you have something i have something let's work together and sort of see reap, reap the benefits at both yeah. and that's really where it kind of kick-started and we sort of like oh, i'm having issues with this and he's like okay cool and we really got on as person we sort of the same we were, we were the same people so it was easy for us to sort of find a discrepancy because we both had the same ideologies on life therefore we both had the same ideologies when it came to charts financial markets and trading it was quite Pardon me. Um, it, 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 we just clicked, and that yeah. was that. And then obviously, yeah. it's interesting, yeah. Because uh, I mean, I think I remember now that Alex was talking about that in his podcast. Mm. The fact that he created this Instagram profile and really focused mm. on that to then get mm-hmm. to the position where people were willing to yeah. to share with him that wouldn't normally share with him, um, yep. which is a great way to do it. If it is a massive, it is a massive tool that not a lot of people take advantage of. Um, for me, especially as an introvert and someone that's quite scared of the camera to begin with, um, at the end of the day, well, obviously when, when we started the business, we moved into the office, we got a lovely view. I'd be an idiot not to market it and, and build like a, a base for that. And obviously I wouldn't be here talking to you now if I hadn't have done it, yeah. if we if we wouldn't have scaled it to what it was. So it's a, it's a massive blessing in disguise and a lot more people should use it to their ability. Yeah, awesome. Um, now, do you want to walk us through your trading day? So like even mm-hmm. like your whole sort of business day with yep. trading incorporated into it and maybe just diving <laughs> into the actual yep. routine you have around the well, market. <laughs> how much time you got yeah. <laughs> no um so i mean again it's literally so the reason why i'm so consistent because so consistent in my approach is because my day-to-day life is also i have a set routine how can you expect consistency in the markets and consistency in approach if your life isn't consistent you don't have a routine you're not you don't stay disciplined to it because if if i come into this obviously i come into the business i've got other i've got I've got a business to run at the end of the day. I haven't, it's not just me and my trading. It's not just that I have, I have, I have three other businesses to run. I've got clients to meet. I've got uh, different conversations to have, but on a day-to-day basis, I've got the same thing 
to, to be doing. So I'll always come into the office at the exact same time. If I know for a fact, if I don't leave my, my house by 20 past five, I'm going to be late and I'm going to be running and chasing the day. So I know for a fact that if I don't stick to my routine, I don't go to the gym and keep my head space clear. I don't switch off. For me, it's um, it's really just the gym that helps my mind switch off. If I don't switch off, then when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to be a little bit, a little bit tired, a little bit grouchy, and I'm not going to get as much done in the morning. And then I'm going to be chasing the day, which means I'm going to be not as active on the charts, or I might mismanage a trade, or I see an alert and I might not actually notice it because I'm I'm out doing bits and like bits and pieces. And it's all well and good in the start, but it's not acceptable when we're like 10, 11, 12 months in because, again, it's not my money I'm playing about with. It's not my, it's a client at the end of the day. Try, it's very hard for me to explain, oh, I'm sorry, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't manage this position at three o'clock this morning because I was tired. There's no, there's no excuse for that, unfortunately. It's, it's a business and um, clients don't care. At the end of the day, you're just a service provider and you have to, you have to provide them figures. So for me on a day-to-day basis, again, I'll get in, I'm up at, uh, my alarm goes off at 10 to five UK time. Um, I'm in the office by half six. I've done my, I've done my morning analysis. I've set all my alerts. It's all good. I've got, if I've got any running positions, that's all fine. No worries. And I can start on my, my, whether it be, um, whether I've got to sort out, uh, cause obviously how we pay clients for a spreadsheet. If I've got any spreadsheet work to be doing, obviously me and Alex do that together. So we kind of shift the workload between us two. Um, I, whether we've got a potential client meeting during the day, I'll obviously set out my to-do list and just have general set targets. Whether I've got to create any social media work or get back to anyone through emails or check my emails um and then realistically I'll, I'll switch off the charts at about half nine if any alerts go on okay cool i'm back on the charts and then what i'll do is i'll monitor four hour closes because all my all my strategies are based around the four hour time frame so it's imperative for me to monitor the four hour time frame so in four hour so i have to monitor every single four hour close um and then i'll finish up around about half five um in the office i'll go home i'll hit the gym around about half eight i'll get back home i'll cook and then obviously I'm monitoring, I'm monitoring the daily close at around about 10 o'clock. Um, and then that's my, that's my daily routine. And it has to be every single day. It can't, it, it can't be a discrepancy. And, and if you like talking about the four hour close, so for, mm. for someone who's, also, you know, you've got other things going on in the day, you might be at a client meeting, four hour candles mm. closing. What happens then? Um, what if, uh, if I'm not at the charts, if you're not at the charts, four hour candle closes, mm. if you're at, you know, you've got on the tube, you're the other side of town for some client meeting. Mm. Would you, what would you do then? How would you manage that? How do you? I've always got my MacBook with me. If you've ah, seen me and I've okay. got a briefcase, my MacBook is everywhere with me. So, so, so that takes priority. It's like a baby, right? You, you're going to go and attend to the baby and, you know, everything else goes. So that is, okay, right. That That's interesting. Yeah. Um, mm. And and when you're doing the, four, like, so how many markets are you monitoring on this four-hour candle close? So I only monitor the FX and I only monitor pairs that, uh, it depends. So, with my four-hour continuation strategy, and I, I've read my, I can obviously explain my two strategies in like a very, um, so it's like a written, it's like I've got a full explanation of it, um, and I've got it written down because obviously I don't want to give a mis- misguided. I can, I can, I can give my my two strategies what they're based around, no problem. Um, sorry, what was the question? I've completely forgot. Uh, yeah, so so when the, the four-hour candle, sorry, how many markets? Mm-hmm. You said you oh, sorry, yeah. FX pairs. Yeah. Um, and then, are you talking to like twenty-eight or? How many? No, 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 no. Literally, um, only eight pairs. Only eight right, pairs okay. of monitor because they have a win percentage rate um, of either forty-five or over fifty percent. 
Okay. They're the only they're they're the only pairs that I will will monitor. Round about I want to be hitting around about the fifty percent mark. So some pairs that might line up with a, a macroeconomic bias like UCAD. I don't I hate UCAD. I hate UCAD. But one of my best trades last week was UCAD. So because the macroeconomics aligned, I might lean into a technical level a little bit more and apply a strategy and take a punt at it, especially if I've got running profit anyway for the month. I go, okay, cool. I can I can swing a percentage at this and just take a real punt at it. Um, but it's usually around about eight, but I do monitor different markets um, to, to gauge a different buyer. So I'll monitor the stock market to gauge. I won't never trade indices. I won't trade the S&P 500, the UK 100, but I'll use it as a base for how the economy is performing or whether we'll risk on, risk off. And then I can basically tailor that back to FX. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll monitor yields, which I'll come on to because I don't, I really, really believe hand on heart that a lot of traders don't implement bond yields into their FX trading. And it is imperative, especially in this market cycle. It is a massive little life hack, um, in my opinion, especially in a high interest rate market, because um, the Fed, especially, uh, they monitor their, their, their bond yields. And it can tell you a lot about where the potential of the economy is sitting and where potentially central banks will pivot. And you can build trade, you can build trades off of that. Right, right. Interesting. Mm. And um, what about news? How do you factor the news events in? I'm glad you come on to this because I have a very, very strong opinion uh, when it comes to like fundamentals and, and news. Um, <clears throat> so when it comes to news events, I, I, I label them as fundamentals. But I also believe that macroeconomics and fundamentals are two different things. So macroeconomics, uh, are your things like, um, like the, the general global macroeconomic, macroeconomic view. And as an FX trader, I only really care about A, inflation or B, interest rates. Yes, I care about CPI, I care about unemployment rates because it can it can piece to the global macroeconomic picture, which I can then build a bias on a currency pair. So for me, the best the best analogy I always say is that fundamentals are the pieces to a puzzle, like the little pieces you can piece together, and macroeconomics is the the whole puzzle in the picture. And the more fundamentals, like more fundamental releases. So let's take the USD, for example. You get their, their CPI, one, one piece to the puzzle. Uh, their unemployment rate, uh, one piece to the puzzle. And you get all these puzzles. And eventually you get this one clear picture of ma- um, the macroeconomic picture that then you can go and uh, aid your USD bias. That's my two separate things. Because one of my strategies is based around fundamentals and the rebalancing of um, in a bank price delivery algorithms, like the rebalancing of price that fundamentals might have made the the market imbalance. Um, however, again, the fundamentals have to align for that. And and in terms of like red news and stuff, are you out mm-hmm. of the market for that? Are you flat or anything like no, that? No, just... no, 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 no. I'm 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 always in. I'm okay. always in because again, like you can predict the fundamental releases and the red, the, the high impact news releases, if you understand the global macroeconomic picture. So the trade, the, the break that the trades that I'm going to break down is a beautiful example of that because obviously it was the, the fed interest rate decision. And I already, we already knew that there's 75 basis points were priced into the market because we understood the macroeconomic picture at the current present. There was no, there was, they, they were never going to turn. There was never going to be a dovish pivot. There was never going to be a dovish right. pivot because we have to do is look at the data. Right. You have to look at their speech. We, they said two months ago that their data dependent. So what you have to do is look at the data to understand whether they're going to hike interest rates or cut interest rates or or, 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 or just stop hiking completely. 
So it helps you, you, you can really gauge an understanding and uh, reading the, the, the forecast and the actual on, on uh, or taking the forecasted on Forex Factory, for example, it isn't enough. It mm. isn't enough. And what about uh, correlation around the eight pairs that you've got and whatever mm. other markets you, yep. I mean, do you factor that in or are, there, are you choosing yes. uncorrelated pairs or something to that effect? Um, yes and no. So I do like a correlated pair. So I love US oil. I, I won't trade US oil. Um, however, I do use it for correlation, especially at the current minute. So US oil is highly correlated with US inflation. So it's going to be very hard for the Fed to turn to, to have a dovish pivot if US oil is currently at these levels. It's going to be very, very hard for the Fed to start cut, to slow their hiking cycle or uh, start cutting interest rates could be very hard. So I, lo- I love correlations. Um, I love the the China. So the reason why the USD took a little bit of a tumble and why the uh, why AUD has been a little bit stronger this week is because the Chinese economy has seen um, has got a lot a lot stronger because obviously um, they've implemented a new COVID. They're cutting all of their COVID restrictions. So there's a lot of there's a lot of optimism in China at the minute, which is obviously hurting the USD, but actually strengthening AUD because it's highly correlated with the, the Chinese economy. So I love correlations because you can sort of look what's going on globally and in, um, in geopolitics and then make that into money. Because there's no point having an opinion on the market and an opinion on 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 um on a on a on a PM on like on, on a Rishi Sunak, there's no point having an opinion on him if I can't monetize it. Right. Okay. But you don't use correlations in the other way around. Like if you're, you know, taking, you know, a buy on, uh, a buy on uh, UJ and a buy on, and a sell on UCAD. Mm. I mean, you're not no. sort of you're not using it in that respect and going. Well, hang on a second. I've got to set up here and set not up there. Not necessarily. Okay. Not necessarily. No. And what about weekends? I mean, are you holding trades across the weekend or? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. again, it's all built off the four hour time frame. So ah, yeah. um, great example was the, the, the two, the two trades. So it was AU shorts and GU shorts last week that I actually took on the 27th of October. And then I ended up closing on uh, hitting on FOMC, which was obviously last Wednesday. So I, I do tend to hold trades no longer than two, three weeks. And what so, kind of, oh, what kind of time frame are you entering in on? Uh, it depends on what strategy. Right. It's usually around about the 15 minute. I never go below the 15 minute now because again, I use a lot more. I use, I use bigger stop losses because I, I need to let the market breathe. I need to get my, my hedge levels in. I need to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm well risked. I need to make sure I've got the liquidity there to obviously be risking the amount that I want to be risking. So I, I can't be monitoring and can't be entering on the one minute time frame anymore. It's just not suitable for that. That's why I'm saying like, my trading has been very linear and as I've matured as a person, my trading has matured a lot more as well. And it's become a little, a little bit more institutionalized because I never go below the 15 minute. Now it's all, all of my entries are either a on the, uh, on the M15 or um, a one hour S and D level. That's just, that's, that's me now. I, I found my, my little, my edge. Yeah. And, and like you mentioned five pips as your stop loss way back in the, the day, yeah, way back. In the day, um, yeah. What, what would be your typical stop loss size now? Or range. So for my for my medium risk strategy, which is obviously the 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 two of the pairs, so the low risk is usually anywhere between fifty to one hundred pips. On on yen pairs, you're usually batting around the eighty to ninety pip range. Um, on my on my medium risk strategy, you're anywhere between twenty to fifty. And like most smart money concept kind of styles are going for these humongous, you know, reward trades. Uh, yep. You know, upwards of five. Five R up. What what are you mm-hmm. looking for from the fun point of view? Uh R and R perspective. Yeah, on average, yeah. 
So on average, my trend continuation strategy will range anywhere between three and 5%, but I have a tailored risk management model in it or trade management model. I have a risk management model as well, but my tailored risk management model will only basically my first TP. So I have two TP levels. So my first, my, my, my TP one, I'll take off 80% of the position. Um, no, sorry. That's my, um, that's uh that's secondary. So I have a hedge level sitting first which is obviously within the range. So basically I get into a trade, I'm looking for a H4 continuation and I'm looking to see, okay, cool. Where can, what does price want? If price comes up into this area, where can it, where, where am I exposed? Where can it hit for me for it to reverse? And I'm not at BE because I don't, I don't put my, I don't put my trades at BE. Right. Because I find that it has a real tendency, especially on the four hour time frame, that you'll get in and you look for like a one hour break and it'll come back reverse, take you out, and then it'll, it'll obviously go run to TP. So I'll look for that first. I'll look for that first hedge level where I potentially will take off 0.5% because I risk 1.5% per position on uh, my trend continuation strategy. So that's my first port of call. If all's well and good, and I take off 0.5% there, usually will net me around about 1%. So the position's covered now. The whole position's covered. So I'm essentially gone BE, but I've still got my stop loss exactly where I set it to begin with. So I've got, a, I've got a, right, gotcha, yeah. the, the trade has, the trade has room for the market to breathe. Yep. And then my second trade management model, uh, my second trade management area is um, ERL. So it's liquidity um, above or below the, the market range. I'll take off 85%. I'll take off 8% of the position at that, at that point. And then I will move my stop loss to break even. And I'll let the 20% of the trade run because obviously if we're in a trend, there's no point pulling it. So sometimes it can run for usually, it usually nets between three and 5%. But if we get a really good runner, and I mean a really, really good runner, it can net anywhere between that, that extra 20% of the position can net me another three, five, six, seven percent Right. So, so 3% on a 1.5% risk is essentially two to one. Is that right? Mm. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, and much. you mentioned ERL. What does that stand for? Exactly, I haven't heard that. Uh, external range liquidity, sorry. External ah, okay, range right, liquidity. Right, right, yeah. cool. Now, just diving into like, uh, I suppose, the, the mindset around, you know, mm-hmm. it seems it's something that people struggle with a lot, avoid. It doesn't seem like you had any, uh, I suppose, immediate issues with this for whatever reason. Maybe it's because your mum was a trader back in the day. It's like, it's, it's been <laughs> built into you. Um, oh, no. Is there anything you sort of, any thoughts on like why you don't seem to have had the, the the struggle around, you know, I suppose all the things that that traders struggle with, or have you, and, and how have you overcome them? I haven't, I haven't. And I know the reason why I've been quite psychologically adapted, and it's one of the reasons why I've been so trading focused at the three of us, myself, Matt and Alex, um, is because I'm quite psychologically adapted for it. And in my opinion, I know why. And for me, it's quite subjective because it's my own experiences of what I've gone through already in life. In my, in my younger years, it's made me quite mentally mature. I I, I don't know whether you've got um, that, that, that from me. I'm, I'm only 20 years old at the end of the day. And I, I might, sometimes I come across as like a 30, 35 year old, but for me, it's because of what I've already gone through in life. I, I have very, I'm very realistic. I have, um, I mean, you age through pain in my in, in my experiences. So for me, I'm quite mentally I'm, I'm quite mentally tough already. So when it comes through when it comes through the pain of trading, the pain of loss, um, the struggle, the stress of running a business, this that and the other, I'm constantly experiencing that on a day to day basis. So when I when I come onto the charts and my trading, there's no 
there's no discrepancies between the two because I've, I'm already experiencing that elsewhere in life. I've already done it. I've mm. been there, worn the t-shirt and a lot of people come into it from, from quite, um, from, I don't want to say lucky because not, no one's lucky enough. We all go through things. Um, I want to say, I don't want to say privileged either, but some, some people have it better than others. And that's the, that uh, is not their fault at all, but I believe it's you as a person you can give t- I can give a couple tips and tricks, but I, ultimately I think it becomes down to you as a person. Like I'm a big believer of that. The same water that softens a potato hardens an egg. It's not about your. It's about what's inside you, not your surroundings. That that's my overall opinion, and I think that's what it's really come down to when it comes to myself. Um, but ultimately, again, when it comes to like when it comes to mentality and generally dealing with like the stress and like having a, a real psychological edge um is again experience i believe there's no better teaching than experience and there's there's a lot of lessons you can learn through loss not only in your trading strategies or your trading applications but also life like if you can look yourself in a mirror and know who you are where your weaknesses are where your strengths are you're going to do very very well you you're you're very well equipped for it and do you i mean other than going to the gym are there any other things that you do from a mindset point of view to to make to Mm. get you in the zone I love golf on a Saturday. Uh, do right. love golf. Right. I, I love right. a bit of golf. I do love a bit of golf. Um, that's my gym, golf, um, and really my girlfriend. But that's it's a bit soppy for, for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> in, in, in terms of, I mean, actually, I just literally read a book because I ended up mm. doing two weekends of golf in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And I mean, my golf has been pretty average for like years. It's been getting, <laughs> in fact, it's been getting worse. It's gotten worse to the point where I was, I was actually throwing clubs and the, and the trolley. Oh mate, um, we've all been there. We've yeah, all been there. Earlier this year. Now, but what and I've, I just, I started turning a corner in the last two weeks and I was like, mm. what, what on earth has changed? <laughs> and I fixed my swing. Yeah. And, and uh, anyway, I mean, I listened to this book, which somebody had recommended years ago called, mm. Um, golf is not a game of perfect. They recommended it on this show, and I was like, "Okay, this is going to kill two birds with one stone." I can get a trading yeah. book here, and also a golf book as well. It was only an hour okay. and a half on the Audible. Um, I mean, what do you see any similarities between golf and and tr- your trading? And a lot. if so, what and are I think they? You can obviously, I, I think I think you can obviously relate to it. Obviously, being playing golf as well, it, there's a lot of similarities between it because again, it, it's Golf is like golf's a game where there's a lot of possibilities. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, varieties in swings. There's a lot of varieties in outcomes. There's a lot of opinions in golf about what you should, what you shouldn't do. And it's really again finding what what works for you, like in your swing and in this that and everything. And, it, and it's so relatable when it comes to trading because there's so many so many different ways you can look at the market. So many different strategies you can trade. So many different opinions in in trading. And ultimately, if you just switch all of that noise off. And just it's just you in a chart. It's actually quite peaceful. And again, if you if you're on a round by yourself on a on, on a Sunday evening, it's just you and yourself, and no one's got an opinion on how you swing on your shot. It's that never just like no one has an if you shut all that noise out, no one has an opinion on your loss, your win, your 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 opinion on a potential pair. And that's where I find a lot of similarities in in, in the two. Okay. And and mm. and uh, last question before we jump into the quick fire round. Mm. Um, yep. Is there anything you would recommend? Sorry, if you had to recommend one thing a retail trader spend the next month mastering, what would it be? Structure, hundred percent. 
I think a lot of people really overcomplicate things. And that's a lot of things that I did um, 10 months ago. I tried to overcomplicate the fuck out of a setup. And it just isn't, it just isn't, it doesn't need to be like that because the more you overcomplicate it, the less, the less, the less you, the less consistent your approach is going to be because the more com- complicated an approach, the less you can repeat it again and again and again and again and again and again. And in 10 years time, which is what we're obviously aiming for because now we're we're an institution we have to aim 10 15 20 years down the line so i need to make sure my approach is as consistent as physically possible so i can apply it day in day out over the course of the next 5 10 15 years and and that, that that's why just just make it as simple as physically possible make your appro- approach and ideologies as simple as possible and then what you can do is you can build it from there that's my that's my, my thing to manage something springs to my mind is chinese whispers it's almost like mm. you know if you don't make it as simple as possible mm. then over time mm. it gradually sort of veers off to you know, it's like a it's like a hook shot or, exactly. a, sl- or a slice. Um, going yeah, back to the golf analogy. <laughs> right now, quick yes. fire round. How long did it take cool. you to go from trading newbie to consistently profitable? Three years. What's your favorite entry setup? Ooh, um, four hour dominant candle. Um, four hour. Four. Four hour imbalance to target. Four hour dominant candle from a counter trend perspective. Um, M15 flip impulsive, corrective M15 um, back into a potential uh, one hour area of supply. What strategies do you use to exit or manage trades? Again, uh, subjective between the two strategies. So um, I've, I briefly touched on uh, the trade management and the, the trend continuation. Um, and the risk management again is, is tailored to between the two, but I believe that you, you'll find that out when obviously I touch base on the charts. You can you can see it a lot lot, lot clearer. It's hard to explain because it's quite complicated. Uh, what's your recommended trading book or resource? Ooh, I do like trading in the matrix, trading in the matrix, but for psychology, where it really changed my psychology was "Can't Hurt Me" by David Goggins. It really should put things in perspective. Yeah, yeah so it's, it's a really yeah, good, so good book. Really good book. Another one I can add to my Audible. Um, mm. What's your preferred broker and trading platform? Oh, um, again, so I, I'll obviously have my broker that I'm partnered with. So obviously it's going to be a bit, it's going to be a bit subjective and obviously it's going to be a bit favored. Um, I use London Trading Index for my MT4 and then obviously in the hedging facilities, we'll obviously use a, a general liquidity provider anyway, the, the, our liquidity provider. Hey folks, ever wonder what broker I use? Well, I use Hanko Trade. It was a no-brainer because I was looking for a broker with good trading conditions and one that wouldn't restrict my leverage. Now, by joining Hanko Trade, I've also cut down my trading costs significantly with their super low commission of just $1 per 100k. You can learn more at hankotrade.com or just click the link I've put in the description. Uh, do you want to walk us through your worst ever trade? Oh, it's hard because again, all my losses are the same now. All my losses are the same. Um, so I, I can't, I can't pinpoint my worst ever because again, they're, they're all the same. Um, what about back in nothing... the day? Was there any horrendous trade? Or, uh, probably one that hurt the most and probably changed my trading. This is what hurt me the most. It was, uh, I got stopped out. It was GU shorts and it was back on, I believe the date, the pinpoint date was around about the 17th of February, just as uh, the Ukraine war was uh, escalating and just before the Fed started to increase the hiking cycle and I was massively, massively, massively USD ball. I tried to get into uh, GU shorts. We using a five pip stop loss. I got triggered out and the rest was history over the course of this year. 
died next part of 4,000 pips. And that probably, when that died and it ran for well, well surpassed 1,000 pips, that's what really hurt me the most. It really hurt me. And I thought something needs to change. Yeah. Right. Now, uh, last question. If you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would it be? Oh, um, it's, a, it's a saying of mine because I am a perfectionist. Um, anything, any outlook, any business, anything like that, any product, any service, anything you want to go into, um, take the mindset of if better is possible, good is never good enough. Nice, nice. Now, before we wrap up, what's the best way for the traders to get hold of you? Uh, my Instagram. My Instagram, that's probably the, that's the, the, the best way of getting a hold of me. Well, look, a big thank you to Charlie for sharing with us today. Everything we discussed here, along with all the links, including his Instagram, are in the show notes. To find them, simply search for Charlie in the search box on tradingnut.com. Until next time, wish all my listeners trading happiness and success. All right, folks, so there you have it. Interview done and dusted with Charlie. Now, do remember, go and check out that video where he breaks down his week of trading. The fundamentals he talks about, the uh, technicals he talks about, in fact, everything he talks about, you're going to be completely blown away by this guy's level of knowledge at this stage in his career. It is phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. So go and check that out uh, after you finish listening to this. Um, other things, do remember we've got Robot Lab Live. You can go and check that out over there. The Robot Builders Club Black Friday sale is going to be coming up uh, in the next week. And the Andrew Mitchell one, if you've got to be quick on that, hopefully you haven't even left it too late already. But yeah, there's a link in the card above or the description below or in the podcast description as well to go and check that out. Uh, Scalping Challenge, hit me up, support at tradingnut.com if you want to be on the live stream with me scalping the London session. That's it. All right, guys, thanks for watching and we'll see you in the next one.